So if you're, if you're visiting with us, or if this is your first time in a long time, we have uh, been in the book of 1 John. I think we started sometime in November and have just been working our way through this book. And so we'll be there again today as we, uh, as we look at the Christmas story in, in some ways uh, through the book of 1 John. It was uh, on Friday, I went to pick up Trevor from college in South Carolina, and I have a niece Actually, three nieces that live in Greenville, and so um, I spent the night at one of their homes, she and her husband and, and their two children. But I, and it, it's, Trent, I've got an echo up here for some reason. Uh, uh, but when I woke up on uh, the next morning and went downstairs, uh, because I had arrived so late, I didn't get to see the kids before they went to bed, and she's got a four-year-old and a two-year-old. The last time I had seen him was probably close to a year, probably close to a year ago, and so I came down the steps and had my bags in my hand, set them down in the foyer of their home, and I could hear them uh, running towards me. And so I thought, oh, this is nice. Here's Adelaide's going to come say hi to her Uncle Brian. And, and, uh, but as soon as, as soon as she was close to the corner, I could hear her saying, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And so when she turned around the corner, expecting to run into the arms of Daddy, 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 and here's this big bald man that she just doesn't recognize who this guy is she stopped in her tracks she gasped turned around and I could hear her run straight back to the kitchen uh, to get as close to her mom as as possible she ran directly to her mom because she she knew her mom she ran hard from me because she didn't know who I was she didn't recognize me now, that's a tendency that we have as followers of Christ. We run to what we know and understand. We run to that which we are fully comfortable. And we tend to live fearful and, and shy sometimes of what we don't know. Which is why it's so important for the Apostle John in this book of 1 John to offer assurance to believers you truly are children of God. He is your father. During the month of November, we've, we've worked our way through this letter of 1 John, and knowing some of you wouldn't be here, just, just as a, some of you would have been here for the first time, just a brief review. The Apostle John has written a number of books, one, the Gospel of John, and there he was trying to tell people how to be saved. It's the conversion of sinners. He was wrote it so that you may believe. But the letter of 1 John is a little bit different. The letter of 1 John was not written about how to be saved. It's how to know you're saved. And it's, it's that confirmation. It's, this, is, this was written so you may know that you have eternal life. And John, uh, throughout this book, would use three main characteristics of God. That God is life, that God is light, and that God is love. And establishing this assurance that you can know was important to John because John wanted people to truly know they were children of God so that they knew they could run to their father. See, if we're not convinced that we are truly children of God, and when things go sideways in our life, we don't run to God because we don't know God. We might run to people that we know, only to find out those people are going to only offer temporary 
might run to money because we recognize that it offers security, but we'll find out at some point it's only a temporary security. We might run to tradition that we're very comfortable and we know that and find a structured routine only to find that tradition doesn't offer life. We might run to things and possessions only to find out those things we so badly wanted bring temporary happiness and then we continue searching. John wants you and me but he was writing to these believers specifically he wants those who are truly children of god to have an assurance that no when things go sideways you don't run to people you don't run to things you don't run to tradition you run to god you run to his son you run to his spirit you run to his word you run to god's people for help in time of need but you'll never run to something that you're unfamiliar with that you don't know comfortably but the beauty of our God is that he didn't wait for us to come to him. Is this not amazing? The one that this group just so beautifully sang about, is he worthy? He came to us first by sending Jesus, this God who is life who is light and who is love, he pursued us to give us a place to run to for hope and security and love and joy. But sadly, there's so many believers who are just uncertain of their relationship with God that he's not the first person or the first place we run to. And that's what John was coming back to time and time again. You got to know he's your father. You got to know you're a beloved child. You've got to know he is life. And John does that by saying God is life and God is light and God is love. We've taken the last two weeks now to, to look at how Jesus said in the gospel of John that he is the, the light of the world. We Last week we're in the gospel of John where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life both proving that this Jesus, Son of God, is God. And today, I'm just going to take this final piece that God is love and want to look at how does this fit into the beauty of the Christmas story we as believers are celebrating right now. So if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 John chapter number 3 and 4 today, but we're going to begin in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1. 1 John chapter 3 and verse Number one, the Bible says this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Man, so much richness in just those three verses. And what I really want to key in on are those first couple of words of that first verse. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. 
It doesn't matter the translation that you hold. It will, that verse will be, that chapter will begin with the word see or behold or look or think about. You understand what John is saying then to every single person? Look at the love. Why would John have to tell us as believers to look at the love of God? Look at how much love has been lavished on you that you can call yourself a child of God. You know why? Because we as believers tend to sometimes know it, but live our lives without thinking about it. How different would our lives be if we woke up every day and the first thought on our mind was, huh, I am a child of the King. How different would our lives be if before we walked out to our houses to, to the hustle and bustle of the world around us, we stood at the threshold and thought, the God that created the worlds is my dad. And he's walking with me today everywhere I go. How different would we be? I mean, the world is abuzz with Christmas right now, shopping and presents and parties and fun festivities, but how many people, and, and I'm not like looking at the world, I'm looking at believers, how many Christians we will take moments, just, just moments, to think about what truly we're celebrating. We're not celebrating parties and we're not celebrating presents. We're not celebrating anything other than the God that created the world who was eternally existent. He pursued us sinful creatures with such a love that he gave his only son. That babe in the manger was the creator of the world. A child in Bethlehem is the Lord of all. Yeah. Ah, there's, a, there's a beautiful song. The song we're going to end with today, In Christ Alone. And just the clip says, Fullness of God in helpless babe. Think about that statement. Fullness of God. And helpless babe. The omnipotent God lay as an impotent child. That's what we're celebrating. He did it for us. And he did it to provide a way for us to become children of God. Children of God, do we deserve to be children of God? Would we want our thoughts and our actions to be displayed for the world? Absolutely not. But here's what you understand. God knows it all, and he still said, you are my child. I'd be ashamed. I'd run screaming from this room if you knew what was happening inside of this mind. But he does. And he still loves me. He's my father. And I'm his son. Ha! What a, what a God. What love. Let's go on and read verse number seven. Of oh, no, I'm sorry. We're going to skip to chapter four. Chapter four. As we continue with this love. John chapter four, first John, first John chapter four, verse number seven. The Bible says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And those three words are important. We don't read love is God. Like God didn't come out of love. God is love which means love came out of God. All love is sourced out of God, but, but God is not just love. He's also light and he's life, right? We know that, but he's also justice and, and peace and hope and holiness. But you can't have love without God because God is love. It doesn't mean an unsaved person can't express love because remember, we are all created in the image of God. We all have the imprint of God in our lives. But here's the difference. True believers in Jesus Christ love others the way God loved us because we have the love of God in us. Where those who do not believe in Jesus don't. Look at verse number nine. It goes on and says this. This is how God showed his love among us. How did God show his love? He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. You remember those, those three characteristics that we continue to talk about in 1 John? Life, light, and love. God, bless you, God sent his son, Jesus, who is light, into the world because he loved the world so that the world could receive life. We celebrate Christmas, and I know tonight some, somewhere up here is going to be a, a little manger as the children celebrate that birth of Jesus. That, that child in the manger was God's greatest expression of love to us. I am going to send the light of the world in the form of humanity because I love you so much, and he will be your light, and through him, through this babe in the manger, you will receive life. It's the only way. Verse 10 goes on and says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Ah, it's not that we love God. No, no. See, our love to God is a response to God's love to us. It only makes sense for us to love God because he has poured out, lavished on us his love in the person of Jesus. It only makes sense that we love him back. Our love to him is in response to his love to us. He's the one expressing true love. We're expressing love in response to his. Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us this is how we know that we live in him and he in us he has given us of his spirit see what 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 john is is doing is he's giving us this progression god loved the world how by giving his son jesus loved the world how by giving his life we love the world how by loving the world as christ has loved us. 
And John's not only challenging, he's not only challenging believers to love in that way, but he's saying, when you love in that way, it's a proof you are a child of the king. Find contentment, find joy, find a peace that you truly are a believer. You are truly a child of God when you love people the way you have been loved. I think so quickly to Abraham in scriptures. Even if you run to the book of Hebrews, you would find that it was that sacrifice of Abraham, the one who was given the promise by God that through your children, all the world shall be blessed. And then God says, send me or give me your only son, Isaac. I can't imagine what's going through Abraham's mind. But as we know, what Abraham does is he lays his son down and raises a knife to take the life of his only son because God asked him to. There was no possession on earth that was more important to Abraham than the love of God. He had such a belief in the God that he loved. He knew that if I go and offer my son as you're asking, you will give life to my son because you have promised that through him all the world would be blessed. And so Abraham raises this, the knife to take Isaac's life only to hear the voice from heaven say, I know you. There's a ram in the thicket. Offer the ram rather than your son. And Isaac's life is spared and the ram is killed. But that's not what our father did. Our father put his son on the altar and he raised the, he raised the sword, he raised the lamb as, as that, as that, as that uh, cross was being placed. And there was no voice from heaven that said, no, 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 not him. There's a ram. No, our Savior, the Son of God, became our lamb. What love that we can be called the children of God because of the sacrifice of the atonement of sins through Jesus. That's why we celebrate Christmas. And that's why we love one another. Look at verse 14, if you would. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. We have, we have seen it, meaning John is saying, the apostles, we've seen this, and our testimony, our testimony is that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Through Jesus, salvation comes, is what John is saying. And if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And just in case you missed it, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. I love these words. So we know and rely on the love God has for us. May I ask you to just consider, do you rely on the love God has for you more than you rely on the love of your spouse? More than the love of your children or if you're a child of your mom and dad, more than the love of the people in the world that you're trying to impress, do you know and rely on the love of God 
for us. John goes on in verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. You, got, you understand what he's saying there? You're going to stand judged one day. But I want the love of God to be so overwhelming in your life that on the day you stand before the judge of the world, you have confidence. You know who's not confident of standing before the judge one day? Those who are trying to do more good than bad, they're really hopeful when they stand before God one day that he won't judge them and he won't punish them. But they're, they're scared. You know, you, know who's, you know who's not? Miss Charlotte, can I share what you shared with me on Wednesday evening about your mom? So Miss Charlotte Smelter's mom lives in, in Arizona and for the last couple of years has has truly digressed in her health she's gone back many times to visit and on wednesday we were talking and she said uh, it's going to be a short time my mom has a short time left on this earth it, it appears but my mom's ready to go she's waiting for god to call her home because she wants to see jesus Whew. What a confidence. When her life ends, she's, gonna, she's going to stand before the creator of the world. And she's excited about it. She can't wait for it. I think I've done 25 or 26 funerals in the last, since 20, the beginning of 2020. I have another one tomorrow. Many of them have been funerals for believers. And there's such a difference. When you're visiting with a family that is grieving the loss of someone, but there is an eternal hope that says we know where they are and we cannot wait until we get to the same place where they are with the same Jesus and we get to see the same Savior. Versus families who are like, we, we don't really know if they knew the Lord. I mean, she tried to be a, he tried to be a good person, tried to do good things. Oh, there's no, there's no confidence there. And John is trying to say, I want you to know the love of God because the love of God is going to provide you a confidence because there's going to be a day when you're going to stand before the creator of the world and you will, he will be your judge. But if he's your father, he's going to express his love to you. He says, we'll have confidence on this day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. It's no wonder people don't run to God when God is the one that they have in their mind is going to punish them for the wrong they're doing. Can I ever remind you as a believer what Romans 8, 1 says? There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Ha! Put that on your refrigerator. Put that on your mirror. Put that everywhere you go and remind yourself, I 
because of the love of God in the person of Jesus and my belief in him, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have no God to fear, not in a scared way. Sure, we respect him, but we have a God who loves us so much. Just wants us to love him back. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. And I've already mentioned that. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Now, now we're gonna, now he's meddling. John's meddling in our lives. He's, he's not just talking about our love for God, but now it's like, do you love your brother and sister? No doubt he's not talking just simply about a family brother or sister, someone who's related to you, but this is a brother or sister in Christ. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. See, we don't love God because we're good people. We love God because he first loved us. And we can't claim to love God unless we are actively loving our brothers and sisters. How can we claim to love a God we don't see when we have opportunities to love people we do see, but we don't? Let me be real transparent with you about something that happened this week. Trevor and I were driving back from South Carolina and we stopped at Chipotle to eat lunch. We walked in and when I went to order, there was a guy that was standing there and there was a sign that said, online orders only. And he said, sorry, sir, you have to order online. I'm in the restaurant. Like your doors are open. There's people staying. You're going to, I got to do a mobile order even though. And I was, it, for some reason, it frustrated me really bad. Like, this is so dumb. I'm standing right here. I got to sit down at the table and type in what I want rather than tell the people who are making everything right in front of me. Here's, I just had a bad attitude about it. So I sat down and I take out my phone and I'm starting to type in the order. Then I hand it to Trevor and he starts to type in his order. And while, while I'm just like stewing in my head, this, this other couple walks in and he tells them the same thing. Hey, you know, sorry, you can't order something. You, only, you can only do a mobile order. And I didn't really hear all the conversation, but I'm, I'm watching and I, I see them kind of talking a little bit. And Trevor's not quite done with his order, but I see them talking a little bit. And then I, I kind of hear the man say, let's just go. And in that moment, I was like, I should just let them, I should just give them my phone and just say, hey, put, put your order on here. Merry Christmas. But I was so frustrated at Chipotle. I didn't want to do that. And I looked at them and, and in my mind, I'm not thinking I'm, I'm not thinking I'm disobedient to the Lord at that time. I'm, I'm not thinking, I'm just thinking this, this whole thing is so stupid. That's just, that's all going through my mind. Well, we had to wait about 10 minutes to get our food. And so we walk out finally with our food. And, and as we walk out, that couple that walked away while we were still doing our order is finally driving out of the parking lot. And I'm like, 
What are you doing for 10 minutes just sitting in your car? That's strange. But as, as they drove right in front of us and I looked in the car, the Holy Spirit said, I sent them in there for you to love them through me. And you didn't do it. Man, I got so convicted in that moment. Here I am. I spend my life telling people, love the Lord and love people. I had this opportunity to be kind to this couple that I didn't know, and I'm sure they didn't know me. And the Holy Spirit, no doubt, sent them in, and they stood just feet from where we were, and I thought I should help them. And I was so frustrated at a circumstance that had nothing to do with them that I said no. And I think God had them sit in that parking lot for 10 minutes so that as they drove away, I would be under great conviction, not because he wants to convict my heart, but to remind me, I bring people into your path to help and to bless because I want people to know me. And I have, I have confessed that to the Lord. I don't want to live a life that allows frustrations of the stupidest, the most petty, the most insignificant things to get in the way of how I can love people because Christ loved me. How often do we make statements to people? Hey, if you need anything, let me know. And then opportunities come and we turn a blind eye. I'm very thankful for one of our church members in particular this week who found out that a family that was really suffering, five of the seven in the home were, were very sick. And I reached out one time and just said, hey, was there something? Oh, yeah, let me help you. Went to Walmart and dropped something off at their house and then said, if there's anything else. And then on their own, the next day called to say, what else can you do? And took them and went grocery shopping for them and took them groceries. And then the next day made them a meal taken to their house. And I'm like, that is the love of Christ in motion. That's what our whole church should be doing for one another and for the community. And I couldn't even buy someone lunch at Chipotle. It didn't take any of my time. I am so self-centered. You know, if God brings opportunities to our attention, I think that means he wants us to step in. And I, I'm, you know how guilty I am, right? I just told you how guilty I am. So I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching at myself. Don't assume someone else is going to do it. If the opportunity is brought to you, it's because God wanted you to hear about that opportunity. I read a few paragraphs each morning in a, in a book called The Gospel Primer, and I don't find it coincidental that this week, as we're preaching on the love of God, that I read this. Just, it's just a paragraph, so just try to follow with me. To love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment in the law. If I could simply fulfill this one commandment, I would gladly fulfill all others as a natural matter of course. Meaning, if I could just love God with everything, everything else would take, take place. Because if I love God, the rest of I will love people the way I should. So how can I come to love God with all of my being? The Bible teaches that genuine love in my heart for God is generated by an awareness of his love for me. 
When my mind is fixed on the gospel, I have ample stimulation to show God's love to other people. For I am always willing to show love to others when I am freshly mindful of the love God has shown me. And the gospel gives me the wherewithal to give forgiving grace to those who have wronged me, for it reminds me daily of the forgiving grace God is showing me. It all goes back to 1 John 3, 1. See? Behold! Look! Think about the love that has been lavished on you that you could be called the children of God. If we were to stop and wake up with that thought on our mind every day, I, I wouldn't fight to help somebody at Chipotle. Oh, look at the love God has given to me. I'm a child of the king. How can I step into your life and help you? That's what I would be saying. Oh, look at the forgiveness that has been lavished upon me, that Jesus took my sin upon himself and has offered me forgiveness so I could have a relationship with the Father. And you think I shouldn't forgive you? Oh, no, if I'm aware of the forgiveness I've received, it will flow from me. Ah, but we've got to look. And we've got to behold. We've got to think about it. I'd assume most all of us are familiar with John 3, 16, possibly, probably, most likely the, the, the best well-known verse in all of Scripture. For God so loved, loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's that connection between love and life again. But then I love how John says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. We're not celebrating the fact that God's son came into this world to bring condemnation. No, we are celebrating Christmas because God sent his son into the world to save the world through Jesus. That's what we celebrate. John was so adamant about this. It's very unique. The chapter and verse breaks in the Bible were added, I think, like in the 1500s. So there's nothing miraculous about this. But what is kind of cool is what 1 John 3.16 says. And we know John 3.16. What 1 John 3.16 is, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters we look at the love of jesus we let it soak in our hearts look behold see what manner of love so then we are willing to love others i think we're all going to struggle to love people the way Christ loved us if we don't start with the focus on how he loved me. And so that's how we're going to end our Sunday before Christmas today. We're going to think about the love of God in sending and giving his son to the world at Bethlehem. And we're going to think of the love of Jesus in giving his life at Calvary. And we'll do so by taking the Lord's Supper this morning.